for the last few weeks we've been looking at the Holy Spirit. Who loves the Holy Spirit? You have to love the Holy Spirit. And we've looked into, last week was a wonderful message. I don't know about you, but that really, if you haven't, if you haven't been here, it's on YouTube, go listen it. It's a whole series in this. And I thought it was going to be one or two sermons, but now I'm being, you know, by the Holy Spirit driven to preach more about the Holy Spirit. And today is this, and next week, I don't know, it's going to be something more about the Holy Spirit. But today I want to talk to you about the person of the Holy Spirit. The person of the Holy Spirit. And if you've got your Bible here, you can open up in Romans 8.28. We're not going to go there right now, but we will get to that passage. You see, you must believe the Holy Spirit is a person. You must believe this. As a child of God, as a blood-washed child of God, you must believe that the Holy Spirit is a person. He's not an influence like some people say. He's not just a power or a source. He's not just a wind that blows here and there. You must believe that the Holy Spirit is a person. You see, people who believe that he's just an influence or just a power, this is what they say. They say, how can I get hold of the Holy Spirit and use it? And you see a lot of that in the churches today under the banner of the works of the Holy Spirit. Now I can tell you 100%, I've prayed this through. I will not talk against the Spirit of God for the fear of God. For the fear of God and the fear of God on my soul. I will not preach anything against the working of the Holy Spirit. If it is the work of the Holy Spirit. But there is so much nonsense, and I use that word very carefully, nonsense going on in some places under the banner of this is the Holy Spirit, which it is not. And the unfortunate thing is that these people who operate in that environment, they see the Holy Spirit just as an influence or a power. And a lot of them will shout, fire, fire, power, come. But they don't know what they say. Because they do not know and understand the Holy Spirit. How can I get hold of the Holy Spirit and use it? You see, people who believe in this, they become so big in themselves. They've got so much self-confidence, self-exhortation. They will walk around as if they are something special. Oh, if you can only get this person to come and lay hands on you. And people will drive in their cars by the hundreds just to go to that person to lay hands on you. And I'll tell you one thing, the Holy Spirit is not a respecter of person. He can use me as much as he can use you, as much as he can use you. He's not a respecter of person. The Holy Spirit works where he wants to work. The Holy Spirit works how he wants to work. To understand that, you need to understand that he is a person, not just an influence. You see, we find this in the book of Acts. You remember in the book of Acts chapter 8, that whole chapter, you need to go and read that. And again, I find myself preaching the last few weeks, not verse by verse. I parachute into chapters. But you need to understand what is written before and after the scripture verse that I read. I do not want to use scripture verses out of context. 
So it is your task to keep me to task and go and read the whole passage. But in this particular place, the Holy Spirit was working in that environment. And this was the real working of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit was working through men of God. Through blood was men of God. And there was this man there, Simon the sorcerer or the magician. And he saw the working of the Holy Spirit. And he had this mentality in his mind that he wants that power. You see, that is what we are. When we are young, when we grew up, when we are born, the world is telling us to be something, isn't it? The world says you need to be successful. And to be successful, you need to have to have some kind of power or influence over people. And here we find it now in Acts chapter 8 verse 18. He says, and when Simon, this is that man, saw that through the laying on of hands, the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given. What did he do? What did he do? He offered them money. He wanted to buy the Holy Spirit. Why? Because he wanted to show the power of the Holy Spirit to everybody else and to make an impression on them. And this is why I say, these words will be, how can I get a hold of the Holy Spirit and use it? Use it for what? For the wrong reasons. And God knows, God knows. Because you see, God is the discerner of each one's hearts. You're sitting here this morning and let me tell you that God knows exactly what you think in your heart and in your mind right where you're sitting right now. And when this man came and he wanted to buy that power, God knew it was for the wrong reason. This is how people operate. How can I get a hold of the Holy Spirit? You know, I know of cases, and it's happening today, where some churches have got classes where they teach the young little children how to speak in tongues. They teach the young little children. They teach the young little children how to prophesy. They teach the little children. They teach the young children how to do all the things the Bible says the Holy Spirit does. You cannot do that. You won't find it next door with my wife. See, teach your children the Bible. Yes, that's what you need to teach, the Word of God. You lay it in their hearts and they grow from that. Here comes this man, Simon. He offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, that anyone in whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. And I come back again, brothers and sisters. You must believe that the Holy Spirit is a person. If you believe that, and if you understand that, your whole Christian, if you haven't believed it before, and now that truth comes into your heart, your Christian life will change. I've listened to a beautiful uh, testimony. This, uh, in fact, I've read it this, this week about a man who's, who was born. He was born again. He was saved. But he never understood the Holy Spirit. He never, when they spoke about the Holy Spirit, he thought it is the power, it's only a power, it's a spirit, it's only a spirit. He never understood it as a person until the Holy Spirit opened it up for him and then he understood what it is. The Holy Spirit is a person. You see, he is a person of divine majesty and glory. That's who the Holy Spirit is, divine majesty and glory. People who believe this will say, how can the Holy Spirit get a use 
uh, of me and use me. That's a different way, isn't it? You see, how can the Holy Spirit get a use of me and use me? How can He do that? By allowing the Spirit of God to work in you. It is He who works in you. We saw this verse here, Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for His good pleasure. Who works? Come on, you can say, God works in you. How does God work in you today? Through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who comes in and He works in you. To do what? To be uh, both of will and to do good in His eyes. He directs your path. And you see, people who believe in this way, they will become humble and kind. And we will touch in a few weeks the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. So this is the first one. The foundation I wanted to lay today is you must believe that the Holy Spirit is a person. You say, okay, now take it one step further, preacher. Where do we get to that? Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. Everybody knows this verse. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. You see that? The word here for God is the plural word in Hebrew, Elohim. That's a plural word. And it literally means gods. That's what the word means. But in our case, it's not gods, okay? We don't believe in gods. This means that the Godhead is three persons in one. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. This is what it is. And this is the distinction, and let me just say it out loud, this is the distinction between what people call today Allah and Elohim. We do not serve Allah. We do not. I do not bow to Him. I worship and I serve Elohim. Why? Because it's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all three of them are distinct persons. Now, it's a different study and a different sermon, but I can do a sermon on the Father, and we can look at the characteristics of the Father, and you will see that the Father in Himself is a person, and we know that about Jesus the Son, and we need to learn that about the Holy Spirit. This is where we find your word Trinity form. You remember that word? You won't find the word in the Bible. You say to me, preacher, but show me anywhere in the Bible. Where is the word Trinity? It's not there. But when you read through the Old and the New Testament, you soon realize that there's three persons in one. In Elohim. You see, the Holy Spirit is a person. And I endeavor in the next 20 minutes to talk to you and to give you just, at, and, and I've got so many scriptures. I, if I've got to give you each one of those scriptures today, we'll be sitting here until 3 o'clock this afternoon, and maybe further. So hopefully you haven't got a roast in the oven. So the Holy Spirit is a person. There are three distinct distinctives that makes you a person. Three. It is knowledge, feelings, and will. Those three things make you a person today. Now let's take an animal, for instance, and compare it to you and to me. Has an animal got knowledge? No, an animal can't sit there and with knowledge reason out something and come to a conclusion. This is what we call a dichotomous being. A dichotomous being, it's a two-part being. An animal hasn't got the spirit in him. 
They've only got a soul, which, which is a, a living part of them on the inside. And they've got a body. But you and I is what we call trichotonomous. What has a trichotonomous been? Body, soul, and spirit. We find this when Paul talks about it in the book of Thessalonians. He says, let the Lord God protect, uh, uh, keep you in your body, soul, and spirit. And don't get washed up with all of these, uh, 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 um, the spiritualists out in the wood. Did I say that right? I have a tongue tie twisted there. But they come out and they try to make it too. But no, we are knowledge, feelings, and will. Animals hasn't got feeling. I know you say to me, but wait a minute, preacher. I've got a little dog, and every time when I give him a treat, he still goes like this, and his eyes goes puppy, and he shows me he laughs. He doesn't know what laughs mean. He's got affection for you, but he hasn't got love for you. There's a determination in the Bible what love means, but this dog has got affection to you. And you, you transfer your love into the dog to say, oh, look how this dog loves me. The next person who comes around with food, what will happen? He will wag his tails and he will have puppy eyes and that person goes, oh, look how that dog loves me. Let me give you a quick illustration. You know, I love my car. I love my car, honestly. You know, you come to me and say, do you love your car? I love my car. Why? It's so reliable. It takes me to the city. It's light on fuel. It's got power. When I put my foot down, it reacts just quickly. I love my car. And we can talk about my car. When I walk into my house, I've got a small little dog. His name is Cody. And if you walk with me in there, I say, man, I love that dog. Why? Because he runs up to me every single time, his tail wags, he jumps up to me, and he licks me. Normally, if an animal licks you like that, it shows that they've got a fix and they love you. Oh, the dog loves me. And I love my dog. I love my car, I love my dog, and I walk with you into my house, and I say, there's my beautiful wife, I love my wife. Why? Because she loves me. <laughs> Is that the same kind of love? Honestly, if I tell my wife that I, I love her, my wife that I love her like I love my car, this, she's not going to be happy. <laughs> if I come to her and I say I love you like I love the dog, she's not going to be happy. It's a different kind of love. So the dog shows affection. We think it's love. And I know there's a lot of animals. I love animals. I'm not against them. And I know there's some people who will really take me on about this because they absolutely adore the animals. But it's just what it is. It's an animal. It's not a person. You and I are persons. Why? Because we've got feelings. Different kind of feelings that the world can give. And then we've got a will. We can decide what we want to do. And we make a will's decision and we do it. Animals don't. You can tell me, wait a minute. An animal decides. A lion decides he's going to jump on that animal and he's going to kill that. No, no. A, a lion is driven by hunger. An animal instinct. I'm hungry in my tummy. There's food. Doesn't matter whether it's a human, a dog, a cat, or whatever it is, he will attack. That's not will. God made us different. There's three things that makes you a person. So we need to now look. I want you now to look at Romans 8.27. How do we apply this to the Holy Spirit? To show that the Holy Spirit is a person. And by the way, when I say it the way I say it, to show, I'm not here trying to prove to you the Holy Spirit is a person. He's a person in Himself. It's not going to determine whether I uh, approve it to you or not. 
He is a person and it's for you to find it out. Romans 8.27 Again, I take the privilege that you already read before and after this verse. He says, now he, that's Jesus, now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is. Because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. The will of God. So we take this one phrase here in, the, in, in Hebrew and in, in Greek. He says, he searches the hearts. Whose hearts is he searching? Your and my heart. Because the previous verse, he says if we can't even pray, he intercedes for us with groanings and moanings. The Holy Spirit do that. Why? Because he knows you better than you know yourself. Let me say that again. God, the Holy Spirit, knows you better than you know yourself. And what does He do? He searches the hearts. Know what the mind of the Spirit is. Capital letter, it talks about the Holy Spirit. The word here in Greek is frunima. Frunima. You say, why do you always go back to the Greek? Well, that's the original text. I don't work sometimes on translations. But it says it there, it says frunima, which means, listen to this now in Greek, it means knowledge, feelings, and will. That's what it means. So in this particular passage, when Paul writes this down, he ascribes through the Holy Spirit, to the Holy Spirit, the characteristics of a person. Remember the Bible is written by men, inspired by whom by god the whole bible is written by god he only used man to pin down what is his mind so paul could have used any other word here in greek but he chooses this word by the inspiration of the holy spirit to say that he knows what is the mind of the spirit and when he uses the word phronema it means knowledge feelings and will so he ascribes to the Holy Spirit, which is not an influence, which is not a power, He ascribes to Him the characteristics of a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. To do what? Because He makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now, if you cast your eyes, if you've got your Bible here and you cast your eyes a little bit further, earlier into the, uh, the, the chapter, to verse 7, you find this. I know it's a little bit small there. That's why you've got to bring your Bible to church. Look at this now. Romans chapter 8 verse 7. When Paul talks now about the carnal mind. The carnal mind. What is the carnal mind? He talks about us when we operate in the flesh, isn't it? Carnal means flesh. He says, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. In other words, you're an enemy of God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. What is happening here? He uses the same word here for mind, is the word phronema. Phronema. I, I, I absolutely get so excited about this. That sometimes when I preach it, I need to slow down and calm myself down. Because this is so absolutely fantastic, if you understand what he's saying. He gives the characteristic to the Holy Spirit. But just put that aside for one minute. 
He comes back in this verse. He says, because the carnal mind, talking about you and me when we operate as ungodly beings, he says our carnal mind is an enmity with God. We're always against God. What is he saying there? A little bit of extra Bible study here this morning. Just hang in there. He's saying that if he uses the word phronema, he says that your knowledge, your feelings, and your will is always against God. You are constantly fighting God. That's what he's saying. You know, I share the gospels wide. I share it to my family. I share it to friends. And so many times when you bring to people the gospel, the light, because the gospel is the light. Who knows that? John chapter 1. The gospel of John talks about that Jesus came into the world. He was the light who came into the world. That light is what? Eternal life. So, so when you come to your friends and you, you give them that knowledge, you give them the knowledge of God. What is the knowledge of God? That Jesus is light. He is eternal life. And that if you confess your sins, if He saves you, then what happens? He gives you the light. You become the light, He says. Not to be under a bed, not to be under a basket, but you, if you're a child of God in this darkened world, is the light of God. He says, here you are the light. Now you go to your friends, your family, and you give them that knowledge. But what do they have inside of them? Their own knowledge. And that knowledge is at enmity against God. It's not you, it's against God. They will get upset with you when you tell them the gospel, do they? Of course they do. Some of them don't even want to talk to you anymore. Some family members haven't talked to each other for years just because you shared to them the light. But don't take it on yourself. It's not you they don't like. It is the knowledge of God they don't like. I just think I throw this into you as the Spirit leads it to you so that you understand. Somebody's got to hear it this morning. You come with the knowledge of God. You proclaim the gospel. You give them light. You give them eternal life. Not you. You understand where I'm coming from. Because that eternal life is in you. Because Christ gave it to you. Now you share it to them. But their knowledge is an enmity against God. And that's why they will not listen to you. And that's why they will reject not you. But they reject God. This is what happened with Samuel. He came to God and God said, it's not you. They're not against you. They're against me. And the same, if you apply that word there, their knowledge is against God. Their feelings is against God. It's absolutely. Their emotions is against God. How, do, how can I apply this? Well, well, preacher, when I'm in the world, when I'm amongst my friends, man, I feel so good. The world offers me so much and there's so much joy and pleasure in the world. It's inside of you. That's right. And the more you get from the world, the more you crave from the world. 
But when you step into and He makes you a new creation, because the Bible says when He saves you from this world and you step in, He makes you a born again. The Word says it in itself. You're a new creation. What changes? The feelings that you had here changes into the feelings that the Holy Spirit now generates in you. And that feeling of the world is at enmity against God. That's why when you come to your friends and you proclaim the gospel, they don't want to go there. I've had young people saying, to, I've had not only young, older people saying to me, but I'm enjoying life too much to offer all of that up for Christ. See how deep is the word of God, friends, brothers, sisters. So he says here, because the carnal mind, the frunema, the knowledge and the, and the feelings, and then he comes to will. The world, your will is against God, he says. You see how deep this goes. But if we step over and he save your soul, now we go back to our verse. We go back, back here to Philippians when he says, uh, um, in 3, he says, uh, uh, where he says that, for it is God who works in you both to will. He says it right there, to will. It's God's will that He places inside of you through the Holy Spirit. And that is where the will of God comes through. And you need to understand it, brothers and sisters, that your will in the world is against God. So let's come back to the Holy Spirit as a person. How wonderful is it then to meet somebody whose knowledge and whose feelings and whose will is 100% God. How wonderful would it be to meet somebody like that? Well, here is the fantastic news. If you are born again, blood was saved by the blood of the Lamb, He's been with you and in you all this time. It's not just a a power or a force. He's a person who's that. I'm telling you now there needs to be more preaching about the Holy Spirit going on in the churches. You say, why so? What about Jesus? Jesus is our, our foundation. He's the cornerstone. I preach in this church, Jesus Christ and Him crucified and resurrected. That's what I preach here. But what did Jesus Himself say? He said, I will pray the Father to do what? And He will send you another helper, another person. But now people, well, they don't want to know about Him. They don't even know Him. How rude is it not to know Him? How rude is it not to know that He's with you and in you to help you? It's not just an influence. You see, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. How wonderful it is to know somebody, to meet somebody who is a person like this. Let me break it down a little bit further. And again, this is the passage where I can give you now a plethora of scriptures. I can give you scriptures that will blow your mind. And I hope the scriptures, the Word of God, is blowing your mind every day. Every day. Three distinctives that make your person knowledge. Let's look at the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, Paul writes, For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? 
That is really straightforward, isn't it? Do I know you? I know of you. You come here and I've shaken your hand and we had a little bit of a talk about your work, your family, and I start learning what you like, what you dislike. And, you know, we've got a, we, we are really good on a good talking, but I don't know any one of you in this place. No. Now, if you ask my wife, my wife knows me better than you know me because she saw my vulnerabilities, she saw my joyous times, she saw my not joyous times, she saw, every, she saw me in ways that you haven't seen me. She knows me better, yes? But even my wife do know, don't know me. She doesn't know me and I don't know her. We know each other better than anyone else. Who knows me the best? I know myself the best. I know myself better than you know me and my wife knows me. Why? Because my spirit's inside of me. My soul. Now we know that God knows me better than I know myself. I've said that before. The only way that I can know you is if I somehow can get out of my body and I can go into your body and live as you for a whole week. This is where the old Indians came out and they say, don't judge a man if you haven't walked two weeks in his moccasins. Don't judge a man on one thing they do, on one appearance. Understand man before you talk about man. I would say pray for man before you talk about man. So here we find him, he says it that, who knows him better? Even so, no one knows the things of God, except the Spirit of God. Can you just tell me if you know the things of God? There is no man upon the face of the earth who knows the things of God, all the things of God. We know of the things of God. But let me tell you, child of God, saint, that when you die one day, you will know all. But you don't know all now. But there's only one who knows that. And it's right there. He says, no one knows the things of God except who? The Spirit of God. So it is so logic. If you want to know God better, who do you need to ask to teach you? The Spirit of God. Because He knows God. He is God. He's a person. Now, we can have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. You see, first characteristic is knowledge. He has got the knowledge of God. The Holy Spirit knows the things of God, and He reveals them to us. He reveals them to us. Sweet Spirit of God. You find here the Bible. This is the written mind of God. The written mind of God. You say, what is on God's mind? Open up your Bible and read it. Just this week I spoke to somebody and I referred to the Bible and they went, ah, there you go again, referring to the Bible. But how, excuse it if I'm blunt, but how dumb would you be to have the mind of God and not be interested in it? Not to know what God wants to say. You know what? People make decisions in their lives without even going to think what God says about it. And then, and then they find Him in a terrible place and they blame the rest of the world. Now I want to say you are today because of the decisions. You are in the place you are today because of the decisions you've made yesterday and the day before. That's, that's where you are. 
You're in the work where you are because you chose to work in that job. You're in the trouble you are because you chose to make trouble a day or two or three back. It's your decisions which drives your life. Now, if you've got a helper and you've got the mind of God, that's where I use my word dumb. So this is the words of God. So, but then some people say, but wait a minute, you know, I read it and you read it and I can't understand it. Have you met people like that? They said, yeah, I've read the Bible. I've had a man once who said he read through the Bible twice and he still can't understand it. And you know what I think in my mind? You are lying. Because let me tell you one thing. If you read this book cover to cover, it will change your life. And you will understand it. But the Holy Spirit is the one who comes in and He makes it alive. That's the difference. So secondly, feelings. What can we say about the Holy Spirit? Paul writes in Romans 15 verse 30, Now I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit that you strive together with me in prayers to God for me. Uh, there is that word there. You know, the most the, the, you know, strong, strong words in this verse is, the love of the Spirit. What is love? Love is not an emotion, by the way. Love is a decision. Have you heard that before? A lot of people say love is an emotion. And this is why they can say, I fell out of love. You know, you, you talk to young couples. They were so in love and they were holding hands and he was opening up the door for her and, you know, he was taking out the rubbish can and then, you know, the honeymoon is over and, and the gold wears off and he's not opening up your door anymore. He's not taking out the rubbish can anymore. She's not doing those special things. You know, when, when, when she gave him a sandwich, a love heart on the plate, those things are all gone now, you know. And then when you talk to him, you say, what happened? And they go, oh yeah, but we fell out of love. No, no, that's, that's nonsense. Love is a decision. Love is a decision. It's not a feeling. Okay, and here we find it that the love is ascribed to the Holy Spirit. And how can a force or an influence love? How can it? No, no, it's only a person who can make a, a decision to love. And here the Holy Spirit has got that, that ascribed to it. And then finally we look at the will. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 11, he says, But can one find, uh, but one's, one and the same Spirit works all these things, distur disturbing to you, uh, each one of in you individually, as He wills. As He wills. The Spirit, as He wills. In the next few weeks, we're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to look at the fruits of the Spirit, and we're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, the gift of the Spirit. Of the Spirit. And I will show that to you. So here we find the Holy Spirit knowledge, feeling and will. He's a person. And we need to worship Him in spirit and in truth. Now you remember this is the verse that we did last week. This is the verse that excited so. Afterwards I've had a lot of the people who's not here this morning. They're all sick in bed today. But last week those who were here, this, here at this time, afterwards they came out because this scripture verse became so life for them. If the Holy Spirit then comes, and if we say He is a person, then that person has got characteristics, yes? You've got characteristics, each one of you. And so the Holy Spirit has got characteristics. 
And these are the characteristics of the Holy Spirit. If you look in, Roman, in, in the book of uh, Revelation, chapter 4, it is mentioned that the seven spirits of God is in front of the throne. There is not seven spirits. There's only one Holy Spirit. But when we come to Isaiah chapter 20, chapter 11, we see the characteristics of the Holy Spirit. Now you need to think for yourself when Jesus said, I will pray the Father and He will send you another comforter and He will be with you. With you, what does it mean? Everywhere I go, He's there. Everywhere I go, He's there. And He will be in you. How wonderful is that? It's double. He's with me and He's in you. Now what is coming with you and in you? It's this person with these characteristics. What is they? First of all, it is the Spirit of God. It's not a false spirit. It's not a false spirit. It's the Spirit of the Lord. You see in the Old Testament when Lord is spelled like that, it is the title of God. It is the title. So it is the Spirit of deity that is the Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you, it's not a demon spirit. It is the spirit of deity. It's God Himself who comes and lives in you in the person of the Holy Spirit. I want you to go and look as, as just, and I'll just throw it in here this afternoon. Go and see in Genesis chapter 2 and Genesis chapter 3. Take your pen and every time when God spoke to Adam, I want you to circle what He says because it says, And the Lord God said... And the Lord God said, and the Lord God said, every time, go and circle them in your Bible. And then go to chapter 3. Because in chapter 3, who appeared on the scene? Satan. That old snake. And when he speaks to Eve, I want you to circle every time when he uses it. And he just says, and God. Didn't God say? Didn't God say this? Surely God. What did he leave out? The word Lord. So since then the attack against man and against, it, uh, against God is against his deity. And then he said, Didn't, did God say this? So there's two attacks against the child of God. The same as back in Genesis. Against the deity of God and against the word of God. Here we find it. When the spirit of the Lord comes, he shall rest upon him. The spirit of what? Wisdom. So wisdom comes in you. When the Holy Spirit comes in. Godly wisdom comes in. James says we need to pray wisdom from God. In fact, in the book of Ephesians, let me put it, it's already up there. In the book of Ephesians, Paul prays to them and he says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you what? The spirit of wisdom. Have you ever thought about wisdom as a spirit? Have you ever thought about that? Yet Paul talks about the spirit of wisdom. You see, some people don't have wisdom. I'm not talking about worldly wisdom. How can you gain worldly wisdom? Out of experience. Out of experience. Let me explain. I'm a teacher. In South Africa, I, I, I was a teacher for four years. And I went to the army as part of my... When I finished teaching, I had to go to the army compulsory for one year. And then I started teaching. And when I taught my first class with 10-year-olds, 
10-year-olds, you know, you can think of yourself, here comes this battle-hardened man, the soldier, the muscles are strong, I had a gun, I was crawling on the ground, we were jumping over fences, you know, all of these things that makes you hard as a soldier. The very next year I walk into a classroom and there were sitting 43 10-year-old girls and boys, boys and girls. Within the first six months, some of those boys and girls were in the principal's office because they had tummy pain. Tummy pain. So the principal called me and he says, Mr. Shipman, every now and then you need to give these little ones a little of a, of a hug. Now here is the soldier. And what did I have with me? You know, I was, I was studying for four years in university. I've, I've got everything, you know, all the head knowledge of being a teacher. But I was so hardened in the army. And then I stepped into the school and I taught these little ones. And I was, you know, this is it. And you need to understand how it is. And I was a strong teacher. But I didn't have the wisdom how to apply that to them. There was another uh, teacher there, an older man. He took me one day and we walked around the rugby field. And he gave me some wisdom. He gave me some wisdom. He explained to me his experience he's had and how he applied it to become one of the most loved teachers in that school. So that is worldly wisdom, and we all can get that wisdom. It's easy. You just stay long enough in your workplace, and you will gain some wisdom. What is wisdom? Is to apply the knowledge that you have to somebody else. That's what wisdom is. But this talks about something else. This is a spirit of wisdom. This is to apply God's word on your life, not to hurt others. But through you and through preaching the gospel to them be saved. By the way, four, three years later when I left that school and I resigned, the children were crying and I was crying with them. So I think I applied some kind of wisdom in my life. And here he says the spirit of wisdom then the spirit of understanding. You can't understand God or the Word of God if you haven't got the Spirit of God in you. The spirit of counsel, the spirit of might, the spirit of knowledge, and the fear of God. There's seven of them. The full, complete number of God. Now, brothers and sisters, I'm trying to get through to the next part for two weeks now, but I'm going to stop here today. I'm going to stop here today. I'll talk next week about John chapter 16. I'll, I'll go in there and we talk about how the Spirit of God works. It is a fascinating passage. But I want to stop here today because I believe the Holy Spirit has already worked in this place. Just know this. You must believe that the Holy Spirit is a person. Part of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. When you pray... Yes, who do we pray to? The Bible says we pray to the Father. We pray to the Father through the Son. And who helps us to pray? The Holy Spirit. You know, when I wake up in the morning, I pray to the Father. I say, Father, thank you for a good night's rest. I come to you in the name of Jesus. I say, Holy Spirit, thank you that you are with me and in me. When I open up the Scriptures and prepare for sermons, and when I do Bible study in my time with the Lord, when I open up the Scriptures, I pray and I ask the Holy Spirit. I say, Holy Spirit, I don't understand this passage. I don't know. This is written by men at the inspiration of God thousands of years ago. 
They didn't know the times we were living. They don't know an automobile. They don't know an Apple iPhone. They don't know social media. They don't know all of the influences. Yet they wrote this four-hour day and four-hour time. Now, Holy Spirit, I don't understand this because I'm living in this milieu. I'm living in the new times. Yet this was written in the old times. And if this was written to me, apply it to me. Apply it to my life so that I can live by that. That is my prayer. That is how I pray. That is how I, I, I ask the Holy Spirit to work with me. And then sometimes, some days, brothers and sisters, I make notes in my Bible of things which I haven't got answers for. Question marks in my Bible. I go, I can't understand this. I read it over. Sometimes I go to commentaries of other men of God who went before me, way better than me in thoughts of the Bible. I read their commentaries and I come back to the scripture and I still can't get it. Is that you? Has it happened to you before? But then one day, I'm in a different part of the Bible and I'm going through a different chapter and everything and then all of a sudden, there's a connection. All of a sudden, there's a question mark that comes up in my mind and I go, I get it. Now what is that? Is it my brilliance? No, it is the Holy Spirit. Because brothers and sisters, although you and I are in time, he's outside of time. It is as if he's sitting there and looking at me and saying, that's the answer. But this little brain of mine can't catch up with the Holy Spirit. He just can't until he shows it to us because it's ready and we are ready for it. Amen? Have we learned something today? Brothers and sisters, let the Holy Spirit just guide you. When you open up your Bible, pray and ask Him. Ask Him to help you. You know, I speak to some people and they've never ever in their prayers mentioned the Holy Spirit. They've never ever. I speak to them. And let me just share this and then we'll pray if somebody can call my wife. I'll tell you this. Brothers and sisters, I don't just pray in my, in my room in the, in the morning and go out and it's done. I pray wherever I go. I'm in the car on the Monash. Who knows the Monash? Who, who knows the Monas? You know, don't correct me. It's not the Monas. Everybody moans about it, okay? So it's the Monas. So I'm there driving. And while I drive, I'm talking to the Lord. Back in the day, before we had Bluetooth and you could speak wireless, people thought I was going off my knockers. Before Now it's okay because everybody, when you talk, they go, he's talking on his phone. But before you could do that, I was driving, talking to the Lord with my mouth open. I said, Lord... Help me, give me the patience with this guy in front of me. <laughs> but I, I talk to him. When I stop at work, when I go in and there's nobody in the office, guess what I do? I went and I, sit, I go and sit down behind my desk. I put my hands on my desk and I say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray your blessing over this place. Lord, I'm going to need a lot of angels today because I've got a lot of work to do. Please send your angels to help me. And sometimes he do. <laughs> But praise the Lord. The Holy Spirit is a person. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we worship you this morning and we thank you. Father, I thank you this morning for these people who came, that you've sent them and they've obeyed to your voice. And Father, I pray now, Lord, that the word that I preach go deep in their hearts, Father, and that it sit there as seed, and in the right time that it produce fruit, multiple fruit, Lord. I pray also, Lord, that through them you will touch the world, each one of us, 